how do i start like hi everyone hi everyone hi everyone welcome back to the minute women podcast my name is grace and i say i'm linnea and i'm linnea and i'm linnea i literally was every like, time what do i say i dragged my ass out of bed for this picture on mondays it's gonna be margarita mondays <laughs> nationwide <laughs> and feel that reciprocated enjoyment, enjoyment. Oh, oh my god it's like we're friends or something hi everyone welcome back to the minute women podcast my name is grace and i'm linnea and linnea is making fun of my arms right now no i wasn't on oh, purpose okay. actually <laughs> we're just the it's same just comfy. <laughs> it's like a good i feel good here it it's it's sort of a pose of like leaning over the mic like you don't want to be here no almost i just meant for me that's what it looks like a little i do want to be here a little but my body language isn't reading that and this week we have a new heritage minute to yes divulge though it's not a new heritage minute i should preface that okay i got excited but it's a new it's a new to our show new to our show it's a very old one actually i would go as far to say it is the most well-known heritage minute ever what to, to everyone who doesn't consider the Halifax explosion the most well-known one. But we've done basketball. We've done basketball. And we've done the Irish workmen's. Mm-hmm. And we've done... Oh, is it Canada? Canada. Oh, yes. Jacques Cartier. Yes. <laughs> it's the people. Just the houses. Yeah. Us making wacky jokes about colonization yep. and indigenous peoples. You Isn't know. it hilarious that a white guy showed up and didn't understand that Canada means village and not country <laughs> that's white people for you so not to bring up traumatic experiences or anything but when we found that review list of heritage minutes Ugh. this is the one that he thought was the best no i agree that it's iconic it's in our logo if it uh, is. people it's... have not dissected our, our logo yet yeah. but it's you know it's not my favorite heritage minute in the world nope it's definitely um one that people know it's definitely one that people quote canada but it's also like all it has not aged well yeah yeah i'd agree like with that. irish orphans Halifax explosion those have aged fine yeah, to this fine. point really yeah. i my favorite part though is very much jacques cartier in the heritage minute being like wow that must mean country and the interpreter's like well actually and then he's like no it means <laughs> yeah. country <laughs> Wow, yeah. I'm Jacques Cartier. <laughs> it's true. That is funny. That is a funny little bit. Do you know anything about Jacques Cartier other than the fact that? Nah, nah. Same. No, like okay. Jacques Cartier. I think that's all I know. And then like, like Cartier is like name of a bunch of things. Yeah, I don't know if it's just the Nova Scotia education system or, like, I didn't take Canadian history ever. Yeah. Because once you can do that, I was in IB, and so you don't do Canadian history. Yeah. But I don't know. I didn't know anything about Jacques Cartier. I knew a lot more about Samuel de Champlain, which I think a lot of people confuse him with. Yes, and I know quite a bit about Samuel de Champlain. Yeah, because he's ultimately... Uh, more significant <laughs> yeah i would he argue is more that. of the actual settling and colonizing yeah than jacques cartier who kind of he's the first one to show up and yeah. and map stuff for the french and gives the french a huge advantage when it comes to actually colonizing because they're like we have this guy who went like a hundred years before and oh, found all got this the shit maps. And we got the maps and he gave it a name 
Samuel de Champlain does a lot more of the actual like building of stuff and permanent settlement. There's no permanent settlement with Jacques no. Cartier. Samuel de Champlain like put his boots on the ground and got to work. Yeah. He was like, the, me, this flag, and this cross. <laughs> and I don't need anything else. That's it. I've got it. Can you teach me how to make alcohol? <laughs> it's actually surprising there's not a heritage minute about Samuel de Champlain. And now that we're in this kind of new era of heritage minutes where yeah. it's not, colonization is really not the focus of them, which we probably never will get a Samuel de Champlain heritage minute. It's true. Which is just interesting because... Good or bad, he's probably the most important person in Canadian history. As a kid, I thought Samuel de Champlain was like from Lunenburg because there's a Samuel de Champlain impersonator. No, there's a Samuel de impersonator. There's a Samuel de Champlain impersonator. What his is name impersonator. His name is Yves Rossignol, and he works for the school board. Well, the Department of Education. Okay. Um, and he does a whole Samuel de Champlain shtick. And he, I saw it like every year for six years. So I thought Samuel de Champlain was like a local. Like I thought he was like a homeboy. And turns out I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> and he's not, in fact, from Lunenburg. Was Samuel de Champlain even in Lunenburg? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. That's what's like it's so problematic. It's about all the places he went. And I thought it's because he was from Lunenburg. So he's going all these places from Lunenburg. Like, as a child, like, being, like, 13 and being, like, yeah, I know Samuel de Champlain. I love that. He's from down the street. But anyways, not Samuel de Champlain, Jacques Cartier. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe we can distinguish between the two for listeners who might confuse them sometimes. Help me help the listeners. Help me help you. Yeah. So, from 1534 to 1542... Jacques Cartier led three maritime ex- expeditions to the interior of the Gulf of the St. Lawrence River. Okay. So he's a boat guy. He's a boat he's guy. He's exploring on a boat. These three expeditions, he explored... Mm, during these three expeditions, he explored, but more importantly, accurately mapped for the first time the interior of the river from the Gulf to Montreal. Also, I just want to touch on the fact at how insane that is. That people quite yeah. accurately mapped out land and ocean and all of that, like creating charts and maps alike mm-hmm. without having any aerial view. Yeah, no, like, it's insane. Like that is bonkers to me. And if you look back, it's quite accurate. Like sometimes, sometimes it's accurate. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's way really not. Off. But a lot of a lot of that mapping was like you know, it's still if you look at it, it still looks like mm-hmm. Nova Scotia, or it still looks like you know where you are in in some of that mapping, or like other parts of Canada. Like it's crazy. For the first time, the Maritimes being mapped really, really accurately is during the Seven Years' War because the British were a lot better at it than the <laughs> French were for whatever reason. For whatever reason. The, the primary reason being James Cook was there. Uh, yes. So James Cook, who explores Australia, discovers Australia. Yeah. He was... Now that's a bitch to draw. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big one. <laughs> yeah. He was in Canada during the Seven Years' War. And he ma- he created a map of Cape Breton Island that was used until satellites. Really? It was that accurate because he was so good at it. Like he was that's just... Insane. James Cook is like so known for his like navigational prowess. But he was like probably the best cartographer in the world that's crazy yeah he was really good Until at drawing satellite. so like maps. what like like the 50s 80s probably wow yeah that's you crazy. could you could still use it and be like and it's amazing and to compare saying, yeah. to what was there before yeah like you have cook's map and then the 
most recent map before that, which is not Cook's. You're like every picture of Cape Breton before the Cook map has, if you've ever seen Cape Breton Island, it kind of looks like like a heart on its side. Yeah, like a lobster claw a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The longer part of it, they just add this really weird, like, Santa hat to it. Like, there's this weird hook. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's probably because one guy did it, and they're like, that guy's probably right. So they that added as well. And Cook was like, nah. No. Nah. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So Cartier arrives and makes maps of this interior river for the first time. Okay. Which really wasn't there before. For this navigational prowess, Cartier is still considered by many as the founder of Canada, which obviously, you know, there's a very colonial way of putting it. Yes. But for a lot of Europeans, that's how they conceptualize him and this event. At the time, however, this term described only the region immediately surrounding Quebec. So and I find that so confusing because <laughs> during this period of time, Canada only refers to like the St. Lawrence River Basin. Right. So Canada as we know it today doesn't exist. No. Where we are right now, non-existent. Yes. It's, it exists, but it's not Canada. But it's not, yeah. Cartier's upstream navigation of the St. Lawrence River in the 16th century ultimately led to France occupying this part of North America. So Jacques Cartier was born in 1491, one year before Columbus crossed the ocean to the Americas. So he's a baby. He's a baby. He's one yeah. year old when Columbus sets sail. Yeah. His first word was probably Columbus. <laughs> Boat. Boat. Santa Maria. His Santa first word. Maria. <laughs> His mom's like, what? He was born in St. Malo, oh. which is a port on the northeast coast of Brittany. I was going to say that sounds France. fancy. Yeah. We don't know much about his early childhood because it's the 1490s. <laughs> but we do know that in his 30s, uh, he was a respectable mariner. And had proved his social status by, in 1520, marrying Mary Catherine de Grange, a member of the leading aristocratic family. It's just insane to live that long to me. That people like... This guy lives forever, but by the way. But that's insane. Yeah. Like, how do you not die? Like, there are so many things. Like, there are so many things that have happened to me that I'm like, if I didn't have, like, modern medicine and, like, like I'd be dead. Yeah. I think of it as, like... <laughs> okay. So, today, on my drive here, I hit a bird. Oh no! Yeah, and it was sad. It was a small bird, and it was just oh. dumb. It just like it just, it didn't just get like, out of the way. and it was like, bam, and I hit it, and I like, felt sad. Yeah, and then I almost hit a squirrel. <gasps> yeah, but he like ran, and it was like okay. But then it got me to thinking, like as people, like if we get hit by a car, like we have medical, like these little squirrels don't, so they just like lay there and die. But is that what like the fourteen hundreds was like? <laughs> Did they just lay in the road he and got die hit by a plague, <laughs> like a? squirrel gets hit by a car like kind of and then do they just lay there and die like how awful is that like how does how is not everybody how how do they live they pray (laughs) really hard they pray really hard the worst part is is that so i've been reading a lot of like behavior psychology stuff and philosophy stuff as of late because you know you gotta mix it up every once in a while (laughs) can't all be history you can't just be history all the time and I was listening to a lecture that was by Alan Watts, who like in the 50s and 60s was this. He was originally going to be a priest and then he abandoned that and he went to India and he found Zen Buddhism. It's really weird. Like he goes all over the place, but he has like a few good ideas. Okay. And he talks about how your ability to understand that one day you will die 
is the thing that makes humans so good at like predicting things like we have this we have this foresight which like no other species has but it's also the thing that makes you the saddest in the world like no other species thinks that they're gonna die someday they just think death. Whoa! <laughs> so like that squirrel has lived. So he, he uses the example of a moth, which can't distinguish between a female moth and a flame. But it goes into the flame and it blows up. And you're like, oh, my God, that's so sad. But that moth never even considered the fact that it was going to die. <laughs> but you insane. think about the fact that you're going to die every day. That's insane. Yeah. So he's basically literally like, every day. Yeah. <laughs> but that's I mean, unless I'm weird. Crazy. But <laughs> I've never thought of that. So, like, sp- animals can't have anxiety because they don't think about, like, they think about their next meal and they can, like, experience pain and stress. And clearly we've seen that, like, animals can also have psychological trauma and stuff. Like, yeah. Behaviorally. Just watch Planet of the Apes. But a, a, a species in nature, when taken out of the human context, because we fuck up everything, yeah. like, that animal, yes, it will die, but it never thinks about it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I have never considered that. So like anxiety is your whole source of pain in your life. Basically is his argument. It's like you just like obviously it's harder than saying like don't think about that. But he's like But like that's... it's actually a really horrible burden to bear is like this feeling that like I know what's gonna happen to me someday and the rationalization of like when something else dies Mm -hmm. not immediately thinking oh that's gonna be me just being like oh shitty yeah so yeah they talk like sad but but like moving on because it's never gonna happen to you because you've never actually had to consider that exactly yeah like what so that he's like and I think that's the root of like today when you talk about it like people talk about mindfulness which is just like you have to be able to be like an animal in some ways where you're like, this is happening and I'm going to think about something else because there's nothing you can do. So you can't just think about it all the time. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Jacques Cartier is in his (laughs) 30s at this point in time. And lives forever. (laughs) And he does live to be quite old. He lives to be like 65, which is pretty old. Especially given the fact that he sailed across the Atlantic Ocean three times. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, he didn't die. Like, that's crazy. I would be so incompetent in that situation that I'm like, how did you do it and come back? And you're like, let's do it again. But I also bet so many people did die. Oh, yeah. And he's he's not a whale swimming through the ocean. Like, he does recognize that death is inevitable. <laughs> death is inevitable. <laughs> so, like, how do you do that three times? That's yeah. crazy. That's why you invent religion. Because you tell yourself that I'm going to die, but there's something else. I got more time. Afterwards. I got more yeah. time. Exactly. Wow. My Anyways. mind's blown. Okay, so he's, he's, continue. He's married to Mary now. Getting back right to the podcast. Married to Mary. <laughs> he's married to Mary. And he has a really good name in St. Malo. And we know this because his name appears a lot as a godfather on baptismal records. So like. Did you say baptismal? Yeah. I like that. I word. didn't know that was a word. Didn't invent it. I don't think. Baptismal. Um, but like if you were a prominent member of society, it would be really common for people to approach you and be like, hi, could do you mind? Yeah. Putting a good word in for my kid it's crazy yeah so like queen elizabeth is like the most notorious godmother she's a godmother for everybody what yeah so like if you were a royal ever basically huh. they were like or a noble it's like hi can you be my child's godmother and she's like yeah sure she doesn't go but she's like yeah sure but then if they died the kid would be i don't think they follow it that strictly okay but yes 
hypothetically. Okay. In 1534, two years after the Duchy of Brittany was formally united with France in the Edict of Union, so now France is happening. Right. Cartier was introduced to King Francis I by Jean Le Venier, a bishop from St. Malo and abbot of Mont Saint-Michel at Manoir de Brion. The king had previously invited, although not formally commissioned, the Florentine explorer Giovanni da Verrazzano to explore the eastern coast of North America on behalf of France in 1524. He sounds Italian. That guy is Italian, okay. yeah. So the king is like, we need to explore. Get that Florentine guy. Mm. Giovanni, you're exploring for me. Tag, you're it. <laughs> Levenier cited voyages to Newfoundland and Brazil as proof of Cartier's ability to lead ships to the discovery of new lands in the New World. This guy is like, we don't want Giovanni. Yeah. We should get a French guy to do it. Cartier. Imagine Newfoundland being like, like you're in Europe and you're like, I found Newfoundland. Yeah. And so he clearly has exploring experience as well. He's been to Newfoundland. He's been to Brazil, which is further away from France. Brazil sounds sick. Yeah. <laughs> So on April 20th, 1534, Cartier set sail under a commission from the king, hoping to discover a Western passage to the wealthy markets of Asia. In the words of the commission, he was to, quote, discover certain islands and lands where it is said that a great quantity of gold and other precious things are to be found. It's like the movie Pocahontas. They were like gold. And she's like, this stuff, corn. Corn. Not gold. Very valuable. Very valuable. Not gold. They're like, not what we're looking for. So... He's like, great, I'm going to sail to Asia and I'm going to find gold. That's his mission. It's always their mission is to get to Asia. Just like the unsanitary-ness of sailing in those years. Like that just blows my mind. Something you don't think about all the time is like how different quality of life is for different people through time. I There's a phrase that gets used in history a lot and I really, really love it. It's that like, the past is always foreign. Yeah. Even if it's this spot 50 years ago. Yeah. Like you would be a foreigner in that land. Yeah. So it's important to always like distance yourself from it a little bit. <laughs> Which is good because like. healthy. It's healthy. That's a good message for you as a PhD candidate in history. It's yeah. probably healthy to remind yourself of that. But also to other people, because like I think sometimes people get really precious about the his- like history and their own history and their family and stuff. But it's 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 not insulting you. You're not those people. Yeah, you're here in <laughs> you're, the now. You're here now. Don't dwell on the past too much. Yeah, it's a bad place. It's a bad. Place. People die <laughs> all the time. All the time. So Cartier's ready to go. It only took him twenty days to sail across the ocean, which I feel like is really fast. From where to where? So he's in, like, Brittany, so northern France. Okay. And I'm, um, he, he's making landfall in Newfoundland, which would be the furthest east. 20 days? Yes. And this is, so their ships obviously have no motor. So this is all just, no. so, so, but this is all just sail, which, like, depended on weather. Yeah, that's, that's pretty wicked fast. I mean, from Lunenburg to Halifax takes a day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 not a day, 13 hours. Yeah, and this is like the narrowest part of the Atlantic Ocean, I think. Yeah. And I know that in Lewisburg, and this was after they had maps and stuff, that it took three weeks to sail from Lewisburg to La Rochelle, which is a, is a busy French port in northern France. Exact same latitude, so it was really easy to find. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Fun maps thing. Fun maps. Um, 
But yeah, he's at sale for 20 days. And he explores part of Newfoundland when he arrives on May 10th, the Strait of Belle Isle and southern shore of Labrador Peninsula, the Gas Bay, North Shore Coast Islands of Gulf of St. Lawrence, and some parts of the coast of the Gulf's main islands, including Prince Edward Island. Hmm. He's also looking at the Anacostia Islands and the Magdalen Islands. So he's all over. He's just like looking around. Just checking it out. Just checking it out. During one stop at Il Oiseau, or the Island of Birds, um, which is now a federal bird sanctuary, if wow. you're interested. Um, I love birds. It's part of the Magdalen Islands. His crew slaughtered about 1,000 birds. <laughs> I only slaughtered one today. Slaughtered. <laughs> but uh, props to him. <laughs> one of one of them was the great auk, uh, which has been extinct since 1852. Like a dodo? It's a, yeah, it's like a bird that's now extinct. It's like a big seabird um, <laughs> because we killed them all. <laughs> well, Cartier killed them all. <laughs> he also had his first two encounters with indigenous people on the north shore of Shaler Bay, who were most likely Mi'kmaq. How'd that go for him? It was brief, but okay. there was some trading that occurred. You know, okay. nothing, nothing too bad. Okay. They don't have the numbers to... <laughs> be really bad yet okay. <laughs> it's like shit they know more about this place than we do okay <laughs> his third encounter took place on the shores of the gas bay with a party of saint lawrence Haudenosaunee, where on july 24th he planted a cross and claimed the land for france he's like so i know you guys have been here for a while but french <laughs> suck it <laughs> suck it <laughs> The 10-meter cross bearing the words, Long live the King of France, proclaimed oh my God. possession of the territory in the king's name. The change in mood was a clear no. indication that the Haudenosaunee understood Cartier's actions. So he kidnapped two of the sons of their chief. They're like, he's like proclaiming this land and they're like, okay, wait a second. This escalated really fast. Yeah, and he's like, okay. <laughs> They read my bluff. Kidnap their sons. Kidnap their sons. <laughs> They're all just staring at each shit, other. Shit, shit, shit. It's like, uh, uh. You're mine now. Grab the kids and go. So fucking bad. Wow. Car History is a Ugh. bad, bad place. Yeah, it's, it's never been good. <sighs> Cartier wrote that they later told him this region where they were captured, Gaspé, um, to them was called Hunguido, and the native's chief at last agreed that they could be taken under conditions that they return with European goods to be traded. So they're like, I guess you can have my kids, but you have to come back. <laughs> like you can't just and take bring them. some gifts. Yeah. So it's likely during this encounter that Cartier learned the Huron Iroquois word Kanata or village, which was incorrectly interpreted as the native term for the newly discovered land, quote unquote, newly discovered. This is how Cartier became the first person to record the name Canada. Now, Kanata is spelled K-A-N-A-T-A. -A -A. Canada would be the very like French creation of that word because K is one of like the least used letters in French. Yeah. Uh, so you put a C and then the a soft D, I guess, instead Canada. of T. Yeah. Did you know in French Scrabble that K is worth 10 points? Or like 8 points? What? It's worth 8 points, yeah. That's silly. And Q is worth like only 8 because Q is used in a lot more French words. <sighs> but I played 
English Scrabble on a French Scrabble board once, and I was just like, K, K, K. <laughs> oh, not K, K, K. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, uh, 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 no. Like, okay. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. You know what I mean. <laughs> um, Cartier used the name to describe the Staticona, the surrounding land and the river itself. And Cartier named Canadiens, the inhabitants that he had seen there. So he's just naming everything. The Habs! Yeah. Whoa! Thereafter, the name Canada was used to designate the small French colony on these shores, and the French colonists were called Canadiens until the mid-19th century, when the name started to be applied to the loyalist colonies on the Great Lakes and later to all of British North America. Okay. So that's his enduring legacy, is he names Canada Canada. Good for him. So after he had stolen renamed, some people, he renamed, renamed this area, <laughs> Canada. <laughs> so after he'd stolen some people and he'd seen a bunch of islands and he named a place a thing, he returns to France in September 1534. With the kids? Sure. That he had reached an Asian land. No. <laughs> it's like, I did it. No. Asia. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Jacques Cartier set sail for a second voyage on May 19th. To Asia? Of the following he thinks year. that was Asia? Yeah, he's like, I did it. What else is there? Oh, no. <laughs> this time he went with three ships, 110 men, and the two Haudenosaunee captives. So he's bringing them back. God bless. Reaching the St. Lawrence, he sailed upriver for the first time and reached the Haudenosaunee capital of Stadacona, where Chief donacona ruled so that's the person who he stole the kids from and how long had this been this is a year later cartier left his main ships in the harbor close to the staticona and used his smallest ship to continue on to hoshalaga which is now montreal arriving on october 2nd 1534 now you might notice we're getting close to winter yes it's gonna be cold it's gonna be cold <laughs> Hoshalaga is far more impressive than the small village of Staticona, he recorded, and a crowd of over 1,000 people came to the river's edge to greet the Frenchmen. The expedition could proceed no further, as the river was blocked by rapids. So certain was Cartier that the river was the Northwest Passage, and the rapids were all that was preventing him from sailing to China, that the rapids in the town that eventually grew up near them came to be named after the French word for China, La Chine. And that's where La Chine Rapids and the town of La Chine, Quebec comes oh from. Oh my god! So it's still called that. Like L A C H I N E, one word. <laughs> so he's like, I could own, I could get to China if these rapids weren't here. No, dude, <laughs> you're wrong. So, but that's like his logic is so flawed because that's like, ah, dang, if this if this valley wasn't here, I'd be able to get to Alberta. You know what I'm gonna call the place right before that? Alberta. <laughs> if I just call it that, then I'm here. Like, the oh, logic wow. is so stupid. The flawed. logic is so messed up. <laughs> so he spent two days among the people here in what is now Montreal. Yeah. And so after that, Cartier returned to Staticona on October 11th. It's not known exactly when he decided to spend the winter of 1535-1536 in Staticona. Um, but by the time he would have gotten back, it would have been too late to go home. Right. It's like, oh, there's ice blocking up the st lawrence things are frozen things are getting cold can't go back there's no locks in the st lawrence at that point yep 
Cartier and his men prepared for the winter by strengthening their fort, stacking firewood, and salting down game and fish. Nice. Super fun. It must be so boring. (laughs) Yeah. So boring. Yeah. Like, there's times where I'm like, wow, like, I could totally do that whole, like, you know, you just salt your game and fish and just hang out by the fire and just like you know eat gross morsels that you've saved for the last six months but then i'm like i would much rather be here yeah from mid-november 1535 to mid-april 1536 the french fleet lay frozen solid at the mouth of the saint charles river under the rock of quebec ice was over one fathom thick so that that a oh, one fathom, which I'm six sure feet. you know, it's about six feet, yeah. six feet, one point eight meters. Yeah, it's. Uh, Do you know what it originally was measured by? Just what? the height of your average dude. <laughs> so that's how a fathom was determined. It was the height of like, so it was the height of like a guy. I just like the name that they give to it too. It's yeah. like I can't even fathom it. He's five eleven. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah, it's roughly the wingspan of your mm. average male because you take the rope. Gotcha. And you go like this. So yeah, yeah roughly how it's determined. Well, that's how thick the ice is. That's and pretty then darn thick. On top of that, you have about 1.2 meters of snow. Yeah. So we're buried. And we're these, buried. Pe- these people are from France. They've never seen that much snow before. His boat's going to die. Where do you leave it? It's just frozen in the river. So you're just oh, praying. No. You're praying that the ice doesn't shift and break your ship. Oh, no. Yeah, that's not good. To add to the misery, everybody got scurvy. Duh. Including the Haudenosaunee. So I guess it must have been a bad winter. Um, so first among the Haudenosaunee and then among the French. Yeah. Cartier estimated the number of dead Haudenosaunee at 50. So Cartier eventually learned from the Haudenosaunee that they were able to make a concoction that could cure scurvy. So something that has vitamin C in it. Yeah. Um, they call it an edda, which is probably some sort of like spruce beer. I would um, assume, yeah. Which spruce beer is taste disgusting, but very high in vitamin C. Yeah. So it's very good for European colonists who like don't know stewed, what they're doing. Yeah, like a beer slash tea, something fermented yeah. with spruce. Something yeah. gross. <laughs> something pretty disgusting. This remedy likely saved the expedition from total destruction, allowing 85 Frenchmen to survive the winter. In his journal, Cartier states that by mid-February, out of 110 men that were, not 10 were well enough to help the others. A pitiful thing to see. The Frenchmen used up the bark of an entire tree in a week on the cure, and the dramatic results prompted Cartier to proclaim it was a godsend and a miracle. Just like discovering <laughs> insulin. <laughs> I love that these guys are like, we came and we helped you. And then it's like, it was God. <laughs> God did it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> to be French. <laughs> so he's ready to, to return to France in early May 1536. And so Cartier decides to kidnap Chief Donnacona. <laughs> he give his kids back. <laughs> I don't know. Like, why would he want him back if he's stealing the chief, too? <laughs> he's like, well... It's time to go back to France. <laughs> Better kidnap someone. <laughs> Get in the bag. Get in the bag. Get in the bag. All right. You know the drill. <laughs> like, I choose you. So he took him to France. I um, hate this guy. Yeah, no, he's a shithead. <laughs> uh, so he might, so that he might personally tell the tale of the country further north, called the Kingdom of Saguenay. So we've talked about Saguenay before, yeah. which is the Saguenay River and yeah. the fire, which you can listen in our episode about the Saguenay Fire. Um, it's also a boat. 
Yeah, but that was like a colloquial name for it at huh. this time. Okay. And I love that he's just like, all right, we really need to sell it to the king that I've done a good job. I'm kidnapping this guy. So he speaks really well of everything <laughs> I've done. Like, it just makes no sense. It's not logical. So basically, he wants him to go. He wants him to talk about the kingdom of Saguenay, which is said to have been full of gold, rubies, and other treasures. After an arduous trip down the St. Lawrence and a three-week crossing of the Atlantic, Cartier and his men arrived in St. Malo on July 15, 1536, concluding the second 14-month voyage, which was Cartier's most profitable. On October 17, 1540, Francis ordered Jacques Cartier to return to Canada to lend weight to a colonization project of which he would be captain general. So now he's like, all right, we believe you that there's gold, of which he has found none. None. He's seen none. He's found none. They've told him yes. that there's none. He's just saying that there's gold. And there's no way to reach China because of these rapids. So, But it's not China. But they're like invested. They're like, cool, we're going to like put stuff out there. But we need we need the we need the Michael Jordan of discovering stuff to yeah. put his name brand on it. Yeah. So Jacques Cartier, can you go do this? And he's like, one last time, last dance, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> one question you might not know the answer to, but at this point, was everybody still kind of a flat earther? Yeah. No, not really. No, okay. I think flat we get that we can circumnavigate. We're like, we're not going to yes. fall off. Like, we're past that. Yeah. So, yeah. like, people That'll, are that's pretty That's only confident. in Shelburne, Nova Scotia, still, where there's a group of flat earthers <laughs> because it's quite prominent there. Yeah. Despite, in 2022. Despite <laughs> what people tell you, flat earthing is really not that big a thought. I don't know. Have you seen the pictures from NASA? This is just what I'm told. Like, I'm just. I don't know. <sighs> go to Shelburne. I could. You can see where they where they seam together the lines of the flat dimensions to make a globe. <laughs> exactly, Grace. Um, yeah, no. Like I digress. I know the time, Earth is round, <laughs> but like by this time, most people are pretty aware that the Earth isn't flat. They don't know how big it is, right? So they think Asia is a lot closer than it is, but they know it like but, goes around. Yeah, they okay. they know it's a circle, and like they'd proven that with ships. They're like, why does the ship sink below the horizon? Because the earth is round. Right. So that was like the main test. I don't remember who does that. But so they're like, we want you to go. We want you to be captain general for this. However, January 15th, 1541, saw Cartier supplanted by Jean-Francois de la Roque de Roberval, a Huguenot <laughs> courtier and friend of the king named as the first lieutenant general of French Canada. So Cartier feels very miffed by this. He's like, how dare you? Like, you took my job. How dare you? How dare you? Robertville was to lead the expedition with Cartier as his chief navigator. While Robertville waited for artillery and supplies, he gave permission to Cartier to sail ahead of his ship. Nice. On May 23rd, 1541, Cartier departed St. Malo on his third voyage, this time with five ships. This time, any thought of finding a passage to China was forgotten. The goal was now to find the kingdom of Saguenay and its riches and to establish a permanent settlement on the St. Lawrence River. So like, hey, we did one. Colonialism just like, it just hurts me. We did one winter and it went great. (laughs) So let's do it forever. Lies. (laughs) Lies. We did one winter and none of us died. I didn't die. Uh, We were real sick, but like that doesn't matter. God saved us. God. Remember? God bless. (laughs) 
Anchoring at Stadacona, Cartier again met with the Haudenosaunee, but found their show of joy and their numbers worrisome, and decided to not build his settlement there. <laughs> As in lots of them? I think their idea was they're like, hey, we're so happy to see you. <laughs> yeah. Set up camp, why don't you? And, As and they're sharpening like, their knives. <laughs> literally. And he's like... My intuition is telling, as an empath, (laughs) I'm thinking we should settle somewhere else. Thinking about what's best for both of us in this situation. And my gut is telling me, my heart is saying stay here, but my gut is saying go elsewhere. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh, bring our chief back. Uh, Nope. (laughs) Sailing a few kilometers upriver to a spot that he had previously observed, he decided to settle on a site which is present-day Cap Rouge, Quebec. Okay. So the people that uh, settle the New World are part uh, colonists who are like, yeah, New Land. And the rest are convicts. Mm-hmm. So the convicts what? and other colonists. Okay. Yeah, because they're like, penitentiaries oh, aren't a thing, right? Yeah. Like, you don't get penitentiaries until like the 1700s or the 1800s. So there's no holding room. So if you were committed of a, if you committed a crime, you'd be like, put in the military most of the time you just be a soldier and being a soldier sucked so these i think they must be soldiers but they're like you're settling the new world congratulations <laughs> that's scary you stole a loaf of bread now you have to go live in quebec <laughs> have fun have fun <laughs> or like you murdered your wife go have fun yeah with the guy who only stole a loaf of bread <laughs> i'm sure he's fine yeah <laughs> Um, so the convicts and other colonists were landed. The cattle that had survived the three months aboard ships were turned loose. Earth- just, that just kills me. The cattle that lived. <laughs> the cows that lived. Earth was broken for kitchen gardens. Seeds of cabbages, turnips, and lettuce were planted. A fortified settlement was thus created and was named Charlesburg Royal. Another fort was also built on the cliff overlooking the settlement for added protection. Nice. The men He's also- not a complete idiot. I never said he was a complete idiot. <laughs> well, well, just a terrible person. There's a reason this is not considered the founding of North America. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm ready. The men also began collecting what they believed were diamonds and gold, but which upon returning to France were discovered to be merely quartz crystals and iron pyrites. So okay. like fool's gold, which... I love that. I because love that it's just like, them. we're doing so good, guys. <laughs> we're so good. But they good. didn't send anyone who knew anything about actual minerals oh my god (laughs) they're just like look at these pretty rocks (laughs) they shine i did it (laughs) so it became a french expression faux comme les diamants du canada as false as the canadian diamonds (laughs) what (laughs) that's like a turn of phrase in france during this period of time it's like you're you're as fake as canadian diamonds oh my gosh (laughs) Two of the ships were sent on their journey home with some of these minerals on September 2nd. Having set tasks for everyone, so he's a little project manager, <laughs> Cartier left with some of the longboats for a reconnaissance in search of Saguenay on September 7th. Having reached Hoshalaga, which I don't know if I'm saying that right, okay. but, you know, uh, he ha- he was prevented by bad weather and the numerous rapids from the continuing up the ottawa river so he's encountering his nemesis rapids again and right. he's like i can't go any further so he returns to charlesburg royale and cartier found uh the situation ominous okay <laughs> so the haudenosaunee no longer made friendly visits 
or peddled fish and Interesting. game. But prowled about in a sinister manner. Interesting. So they're just like hanging around. Yeah. No records exist about the winter of 1541-1542. Okay. And the information must be gleamed from a few details provided by returning sailors. Okay. But it seems that the natives have attacked Charlesburg and killed about 35 settlers before the Frenchmen could retreat behind their fortifications. So now they're just holed up wow. in the fort. Even though scurvy was cured through the remedy that they had learned on previous expeditions, the impression left was one of general misery and of Cartier's growing conviction that he had insufficient manpower to either protect his base or go in search of the Saguenay Kingdom. So, on the previous two expeditions, both times he kidnaps Houdanashoni yeah. people. And then he just comes back and he's like, sick. Let's make a city. <laughs> and then the people there are weirdly like, fuck you. We don't want you Pissed here. off and don't trust him. Don't trust him. Shocking. So they attack. Yeah. And they're like, wow, these natives are so savage. Savage. Whereas like the first time they meet, they're like, cool. No That's problem, cool that buddy. you're here. We'll like help you out and like yeah. teach you how to do things. And people wonder why like Haudenosaunee in particular get this really bad like rap about being super aggressive and violent because they had colonists. to and it's because to survive. They were the first to be like we were the first to get screwed. Yeah. We're not getting screwed again. <laughs> so Cartier left for France in early June 1542 um, encountering Roberval and his ship along the Newfoundland coast at about the time that Roberval marooned Marguerite de la Roque. So marooned his ship. Yeah. Big dummy. He shouldn't have been in charge. <laughs> he marooned the whole ship. Yeah. Despite Roberval's insistence that he accompany him back to Saguenay, Cartier slipped off under the cover of darkness and continued back to France. He's like, hell no, am I going back there? Bye-bye. I have learned my lesson. Bye-bye. <laughs> Still convinced his vessels contained a wealth of gold and diamonds. Oh, no. So he's, like, going back, and he's like, this loser is going yeah. back to Quebec, but I've got a bunch of diamonds and gold. He arrived there in October in what proved to be his last voyage. Meanwhile, Robert Vall took command of the Charlesburg Royale, but it was abandoned in 1543 after disease, foul weather, and hostile indigenous peoples who drove the would-be settlers to despair. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds how it, sounds it should like be. It would be a great like horror film. Yeah. It's just like life in this awful place. <laughs> Welcome Cartier. to Canada. <laughs> Cartier spent the rest of his life in St. Malo and his nearby estate where he should have stayed in the beginning. Always. Um, where he often was used as a useful interpreter in Portuguese. So he's been to Brazil. So he must know Portuguese. Okay. And so he's like an explorer. And then the, the back half of his career, he's, he's a useful. translator. He died at the age of 65 on September 1st, 1557, during an epidemic, possibly of typhus, though many sources list his cause of death as unknown. Mm. Cartier is interned in the St. Malo Cathedral. No permanent European settlements were made in Canada before 1605, when Samuel de Champlain founded Port Royal in what is present-day Victoria Beach, just outside Annapolis Royal, yeah. here in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Cartier is not strictly the European discoverer of Canada, as what is now encompassing Canada is understood. 
previously you would have had Vikings and then you would have had Basque people, Galatians and Breton fishermen. And then if you want to look at explorers, you have the Corte Real brothers and John Cabot. Yep. Cartier's particular contribution to the discovery of Canada is as the first European to penetrate the continent and more precisely the interior eastern region along the St. Lawrence River. His explorations consolidated France's claim of the interior that would be later recognized as New France, and his third voyage produced the first documented European attempt at settling North America uh, since Lucas Vazquez de Avalon oh, in 1526-27. Yeah, everybody knows Lucas. That guy. <laughs> Duh. Cartier's professional abilities can easily be ascertained, considering that Cartier made three voyages of exploration in dangerous and hitherto unknown waters without losing a ship. So he, he never loses a I ship. I will give him that. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. He entered and departed some 50 undiscovered harbors without serious mishap. He may be considered one of the most conscientious explorers of the period. Uh, conscientious is not yeah, the word that's, I would uh, use. That's not <laughs> how I describe him. Conscientious. Maybe the most Ooh. brazen. Um, but uh, I don't diamonds think, and gold. I, I mean, enslaved. Just kind of. He was doing it. He was doing his thing. There were things that he was good at. There were things he wasn't. Communication really terrible. Not great. Cartier was also one of the first to formally acknowledge that the New World was a landmass separate from Europe and Asia. So he eventually comes around to the fact that, like, okay, it's not China. It's not China. <laughs> so fast forward. On August 18th, 2006, Quebec Premier Jean Charest announced that Canadian archaeologists had discovered the precise location of Cartier's lost colony of Charlesburg Royal. The colony was built at the confluence of the Riviere du Cap Rouge and the St. Lawrence River and is based on the discovery of burnt wood timber remains that have been dated to the 16th century and a fragment of decorative uh, a decorative plate that was manufactured in Italy between 1540 and 1550. So that had to have belonged to French aristocrats from the colony. Most probably, this was the Sir de Roberval who replaced Cartier as the leader of the settlement. So like this particular artifact probably wasn't Cartier's. It was the other guy's. Okay. This colony was is the first known European settlement in modern day Canada since the Lasso Meadows Viking village in northern Newfoundland. Its discovery has been hailed by archaeologists as the most important find in Canada since Lasso Meadows. You know, just just a monument to Canadian <laughs> failure. Yeah. And that's the story of Jacques Cartier. A monument of Canadian failure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just um, a monumental Canadian idiot. Just, yeah. <laughs> Who's so talented and smart, it seems, and so dumb at the same time. Yeah. I, I will say, yeah, from a... <laughs> From a sailing perspective, that's pretty incredible. It's like it's kind of the thought of like the first spaceship went to went into orbit without like with the technology that's less than an iPhone. Yeah. And that's kind of how that relates. Yeah. It's like no, it's a good, yeah. That's it's a like good him taking that ship around is like having just stupid little amount of technology like what you'd have if you went out in a dinghy in the Halifax Harbor that's about the same amount of yeah. like resources you have yeah like what he did is amazing and it's a shame that he was an <laughs> asshole yeah <laughs> like it's just yeah. like 
it's just the stealing of the Don't people. Don't steal people's kids. Yeah. Why the kidnapping? <laughs> Why? Just bring back the diamonds and gold you were talking about. Yeah. You don't have to. Uh, yeah. Anyways. And that's why we also call Canada, Canada. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the story. Canada. <laughs> Welcome. Well, I feel like that was definitely one of the heritage minutes that I've been waiting for. One of the ones You're that welcome. we hadn't touched on yet. <laughs> uh, so thank you for that. And I also want to remind everyone that if you want to find out more about the podcast, here episodes, you can go to minutewomenpodcast.ca. Um, and there is our full kind of catalog of all of our episodes. Uh, the email feature if you want to send us an email which we would love and make sure you rate and review the podcast on apple podcast or spotify it's the best way that you can support the show and make sure this podcast gets into the ears of more listeners we release new episodes every wednesday so we will see you next week bye bye